Welcome to the Find Creative Expression podcast, conversations about art and creativity. I'm your host, Sarah Crawford, author, musician, and playwright. You can find the show notes and other information at findcreativeexpression.com. And let's get going. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Find Creative Expression podcast. Coming up a little later, I have an interview with author Candace Robinson. Candace is like super prolific. I feel like she's putting out a new book every month. I mean, I, I, I know it's not that frequent, but it kind of feels like it is. It's super impressive. Anyway, so we had a cool conversation, so definitely stick around for that. So what's been going on with me lately? Okay, so I started a new day job this week. I am writing web content for AT&T. And, you know, it turns out you can be a lot more creative when you're not stressing out about money. I've, you know, I, I mean, I've only been doing this since Monday, but it's like I when I started my new job, I, like I started this new routine and I'm going to the gym in the morning and I've been writing in the morning and it's just been, it's been good. So I'm back to my, well, I'm calling it the Untitled Ataxia book. I think I, I told you about it a little bit last time. It's my kind of more literary fiction um, adult novel, slightly autobiographical. Well, just the aspect of, you know, her having SCA, which is like a rare genetic balance Disorder. Well, it's not just a balanced disorder, but it's like a neurological situation that gets worse as you age. And then for most people, it can affect your balance and eventually like you're not able to walk. And so anyway, it felt like a kind of important story for me to tell. And it's it's also about identity and because she's a Broadway dancer who basically can't dance anymore because her balance is getting really bad. And so without that big part of her identity, she like doesn't know who she is. And she's kind of having to rediscover that, which is kind of like a parallel to my shift in identity that I've been uh, going through lately. Not really a shift in identity, but my shift on the way that I think about things. Every job that I've had before this one, I've pretty much been looking at it as this is the last job I'll have to take before I'm making a living as a full-time author. But, you know, I thought about it and I just, I don't know if I want to be a full-time author, like a full-time indie author at least, um, because I feel like in order to sell enough book as an indie author, you have to write really quickly and you have to write on trend kind of, like you have to write to market, um, which is great for some people. Some people do really well at that, but I have discovered that I'm not really one of those kind of writers. I also really like to just be writing whatever I feel like writing and not what I should be writing. So, you know, I always thought, oh, if I'm not a full-time author, I'm not really real author. And that's just kind of crap. I mean, it's okay to have a day job. And it actually, uh, you know, frees me up to write 
what I want to write, really, because now it's not about my livelihood or making money. It's just about me sharing my stories with the world. So anyway, I mean, not really an identity shift, but definitely a shift in the way I think about my identity as an artist and as a storyteller, you know. And that's one of the things about the novel that I'm working on, too. Uh, Paige, the protagonist, she has to kind of figure out a new way to express herself besides dancing. Like, she has to kind of figure out a new way to be an artist. And eventually she gets into photography and don't quite have the whole plot worked out. But I kind of know where I want it to end. So that's usually good enough. So, um, you know, I always ask people on here what they're really into right now, like as far as books or movies or TV shows or music. And I thought it would be a good idea for me to tell you what I'm into. Last week I did, did it after the interview. This week I'm doing it before the interview. You know, I'm still playing around with uh, formatting and, you know, how I put this podcast together. But once again, you know, I can do whatever I want with a podcast because, like, I'm not getting paid. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I don't I don't have, like, advertisers I have to answer to or anybody except the listeners, which, you know, if you have any suggestions or things that you would like to hear or things that you would like for me to ask the guests or just any questions at all, um, definitely feel free to contact me. You can email me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. I'm very, very easy to find. Basically, just Google Sarah Crawford with no H, and <laughs> there you go. Or you can go to findcreativeexpression.com, and I'm pretty sure that will that links to all of my stuff as Sarah Crawford. It's it's really easy to find a way to contact me. But yeah, I I love hearing from people who like the podcast. You know, I do put a lot of work into this podcast and I mean, I think it's it's really fun and, and it's really good for me to have these kind of conversations with artists and creative types because it really inspires me and it's just it just makes me think about things and you know, it's I, I really enjoy um, getting to discuss process with different people and seeing, you know, how they work. Plus, I have so many friends who are like creating really amazing stuff and I don't always get to talk to them as much as I would like. So it's kind of given me an opportunity to talk to some people that I haven't like really talked to in a while, which has been super cool. So anyway, getting back to what I'm really into this week, or this episode, I should say. Um, as far as music goes, I'm really loving the new Wolf Alice album. It's called Blue Weekend. And last night I, you know, I was just like alone in my apartment. And, you know, some, sometimes if I play my music too loud, like, you know, I know, I know the sound carries upstairs to my neighbor. So I just sat down with my headphones and I laid on the floor and I just listened to the album all the way through. And like that was all I was doing. I wasn't, you know, doing something else like I was just 
sitting there and listening. And it was really, really good. And just the experience of just listening to an album. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't done that in so long. I mean, I get, you know, I guess when I'm driving, I can really kind of focus on the music, but you know, you're, you're always doing something else. You're always like doing the dishes or like writing or, you know, just, just doing something. And, you know, we don't, I feel like we don't really take the time to stop and give something our full attention. You know, it's like we, we all, we get on our phone when we're watching a movie, like we, we're scrolling through Instagram or whatever, even then the TV's on, you know. I mean, sometimes it's like I've literally had my laptop open, my phone open, and the TV on. Like, that, you don't need all that. Come on. Not saying, I mean, there's definitely a place uh, for multitasking and... It really helps me to be productive. But there's also a place for giving your full attention to something. And I was really glad to be able to do that last night with Blue Weekend by Wolf Alice. Definitely check it out. Another thing that I have been really into lately is a show on Netflix called Feel Good. It's um, starring a Canadian comedian um, named Mae Martin who I had never heard of before, but she's really funny. And um, I think this show is like kind of autobiographical. You know, it's it's kind of about like her relationship and dealing with uh, her sexuality and, and some LGBT issues, addiction. She has, you know, she's a recovering drug addict, but it's also really funny. Like it's it's kind of like dark comedy, I guess, like, it has serious moments and it has like more poignant moments, but I thought it was really well written. I binged the first two seasons. That's that's all there are right now. But I binged them like really quickly, I feel like. Anyway, so yeah, I definitely recommend that. Uh, Lisa Kudrow is also randomly in that. <laughs> okay, so those are really the two things that I wanted to bring up. So let's go ahead and get into the interview. Hey everyone, I am here with Candace Robinson. Candace Robinson is the author of the Fairies of Oz series, the Cursed Hearts duology, the Glass Vault duology, and over 20 other character-driven stories. Writing mostly paranormal romance and dark fantasy, she explores morally gray characters. She spends her days consumed by words, and she hopes to find her own DeLorean time machine. Welcome, Candace. Hello. Yeah, th- thanks for joining me for episode 23 of the Find Creative Expression podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to uh, get to chat with you about, um, you know, your writing and your books. So, so how did you get into writing? Uh, well, I guess I always sort of wanted to write, but I guess in high school, maybe, because I've, I've always really <laughs> been like, uh, I had a love for, I guess, like horror movies. So I actually wanted to do like screenplay, um, horror, like horror movie screenplays, mm-hmm. but somehow that turned into <laughs> wanting to do books later on. And then, but I didn't actually start writing till 2016 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so not too long ago. So it was after I was married and had a kid. I was like, oh, finally, I need to, need to write. <laughs> That's great. So you've published all of those books since 2016? Yes. That's crazy. I didn't even, I didn't realize that. You're like, you're super prolific. Like, I, I feel like you're like publishing a new book like every month. I mean, maybe not, not, but I feel like I'm always looking on Instagram and you're like, oh, it's my new book coming out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's your process when you're writing? Do you plot or fly by the seat of your pants or, you know, a bit of both? Yeah. So I, um, I say that I pants, but basically I do have a brief outline. Um, cause I usually know the beginning and the end and I just come up with a set of chapters. Cause normally it's about the same 25, sometimes 30 or it could be less, but um, I put a sentence per chapter and then I just kind of go and normally, you know, it, it changes as I go. So, so, so even, so I don't really even stick to the outline. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I do. Like I, sometimes I usually make outlines like when I'm, when I'm writing, like as I'm in the process and then, mm-hmm. you know, I might make this like elaborate outline, but then when I start writing again, like I usually just don't follow it all. yeah (laughs) same (laughs) so you know it's like it's like I try to plot you know sometimes (laughs) (laughs) but you know pantsers you you can't box us in you know we we have we need to be free (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) so some of your books are drawing from other works like you know the fairies of oz books um obviously are are you know drawing from the wizard of oz is your process different when you're creating a world based on a world that's already been created? I guess uh, it, it's pretty similar still. The only thing that um, like with the Oz stuff, what, what I had to kind of do is just, you know, look up, I guess, the characters and stuff. Because I'm still basically creating, I guess, my own world because, you know, well, we made it like fairies. So, right. Um, so basically it was just, you know, sticking to like the character names basically and maybe a few of their aspects, but most of it was new. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a, a similar process to like a retelling, I would think. Cause that's, that's kind of what I did a little bit with my, um, my Muse Chronicles trilogy. Like I, I drew from Greek mythology, but then I also kind of invented my own stuff that like sounded like it could be a Greek myth, you know? Yeah. 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 That's, that's cool. So it's, so it's like, it's, it's kind of like giving you an outline in, in that, like the hero's journey is, is kind of an outline, you know, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Uh, so, so you write a lot of paranormal romance and dark fantasy so what do you find most compelling about these stories because you know I've, I've written contemporary too but it's like I don't know I, I I like I like I don't know I guess I just like dark aspects and you know paranormal like even in the, my paranormal it's, it's dark aspects too it's it's pretty much dark fantasy mm-hmm. I, I just like the magic the the stuff that we don't see every day and just coming up with something new, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that kind of comes from your love of horror stories, like when you first started getting into writing? Yeah, I think so. Because even when my, fr- the first book I wrote, you know, it was the Glass Fall duology. And like with Quincy, um, 
I it, it pretty much had you know uh, draw on some of the horror movies. Like yeah, like it was like Frankenstein inspiration and and all that. So I think you know mm-hmm. that's where I feel I guess most at home. Like and but 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 I always have to have romance too. So it's like I wish there was more like horror romance stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. But yeah, but I mean, I feel like there, there are a lot of kind of more, maybe not horror, but like gothic novels yeah. uh, that that definitely also do the romance thing, even if it's like not really conventional, like you know, Wuthering Heights or or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that can definitely be like a good place to draw influences from I think yeah so you've said that you have a great love for morally gray characters so how does either writing or reading about a morally gray character shape your perspective and the way you see the world Mm, okay that's a tough question (laughs) (laughs) I know it's kind kind of big but you know (laughs) well reading wise um I don't know. I, I, I like morally great characters when I'm reading it. I, I don't know. Like even like like Six of Crows, um, Kaz is a big popular one, but he's oh, yeah, my, yeah. But he's my favorite, um, just because, you know, the, the stuff he does. So Yeah, but- I, I I really love morally great characters here. Like even like going back to like Lestat, you know, Anne Rice. Like, I oh, feel like that's, that's a really good example of, of one. Speaking of uh, Lee Bardugo, I'm, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with the Darkling from Shadow and Bone. <laughs> and, I... you know, I don't, I don't really know why. Like, I feel like he kind of is just really just a more, he's just kind of dark, but I don't know. I feel like there's some good in him that's like you have to dig for, but. I don't know. I, I kind of, I really like morally gray characters because it's, I think it's more interesting when characters are layered and, you know, it's, they're not just one thing or the other. Like it's, it's not, cause that real people aren't like that. You know, I mean, everybody has like good and evil within them, you know, and I, I yep. think it's really interesting to see that kind of conflict play out like within like the inner conflict, you know? Exactly. I mean, that, that explains it like exactly perfect. Like, cause I, th- I think about that too, about, you know, people at the time and nobody is, you know, a hundred percent perfect, even though, you know, they, they want the world to think that they are, you know, through like social media, sometimes, you know, they portray themselves as, right. You know, perfect. And you know, no, nobody is. Right. Exactly. And I, you know, I feel like it also means more when a character like does something good, if we've seen them kind of struggle with doing bad things before or, or kind of have to overcome something to do something good or, you know, like it's more of a struggle. Okay. So you've co-written a number of books like the Fairies of Oz books with Amber R. Duell as well as Bacon Pie and Avocado Bliss with Gerardo Delgadillo. So what do you look for in a co-author and and how is your process different when co-writing? So with the co-author, I'm I'm super, super picky. So first thing I'd have sort of the same writing style as me because I'm pretty straightforward in my writing. I know some people are real like purple prosy. So that way. So um you know, with Gerardo and with Amber, I had read both their books. Um, 
beforehand. So I already knew that that would probably work. So once we get that, it, we can't really like totally pants. So mm-hmm. I pretty much do the exact same thing. Like I come up with a, a, an outline and then I, with the, the chapter outline and put the sentences in there. And, but then I have them check it, uh, you know, so then half the time, you know, they'll rearrange it or. Right. Put it. But actually what's weird is we pretty much stick, I feel like to the outline pretty well. Um, occasionally, you know, we'll have to change maybe a couple of the chapters up, but you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty, you know, straight on. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I did kind of like a experiment with one of my writing friends and, um, we like started a project where she would write a chapter and then I would write a chapter and we didn't really know like where it was going. That was definitely a really interesting me to approach it because it, w- it was like you know I would write a chapter and I would have an idea of, of what I thought should happen next and then she would take it like a totally different direction and I would have to like go along with that so it, so is it like a like do you, when you're co-writing do you guys really spend a lot of time at the beginning kind of fleshing out like what the plot is going to be or do you kind of just like, does it happen more organically? I feel like or- organically, pretty much. Um, well, like with, um, actually with both of them, um, we pretty much do that same thing. Like what I, what I do like, because whenever I write my first draft, I write it, I write my first draft and that's kind of, you know, straight, straight through, <laughs> you know, I don't like edit. Right. But now um, whenever I write my chapter, like let's say chapter one for Amber, I, you know, I write it, then I read through it. So I'm editing it. So then when I send it to her, it's already kind of like a second draft and right. then she edits it and sends it back. And then I read through it again. So by the time we finish our actual, you know, our actual first draft, it, it's pretty, you know, edited kind of right you know I I like that aspect yeah yeah it's definitely like an interesting approach I haven't really tried like co-writing a book I mean other than that experiment that I was doing with my friend which I don't even think we finished that but um but yeah so it's it's definitely I feel like an interesting approach so I mean, uh, you're you're obviously pretty successful at it. Do you see yourself like co-writing a lot more books in the future? Uh, We're actually going to do one more series. We're going to do Vampires in Wonderland next. So it's going to be a trilogy. Oh, cool. With the prequel. But what's weird, so with Fairies of Oz, it was actually just supposed to be 10, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first book. And then I was like, well, let's write, you know, a short story prequel just so, you know, we can have, you know, use it kind of like as a promo tool, sort of. Right. Then when we were writing first book, I was like, oh, I, we need to write Crow's book. And then, you know, <laughs> it just happened. So it turned into four fooling books. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I've had, I've had uh, those books on my CBR for like a while. <laughs> oh, so awesome. I will get around to them at some point. <laughs> Everybody has like, a massively endless TBR like if you love books like seriously you know. but you know we'll 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 get around to it someday 
<laughs> so you you post a lot of great social media content, specifically on Instagram and TikTok. And one of the things I really like about your content is that it seems to genuinely bring you a lot of joy. Uh, so I work in digital marketing and it's always really easy for me to tell when someone is just posting content to post content and when someone really enjoys it. So do you have a favorite platform for social media and and does your process in creating content help or influence your creative process when you're writing? So, um, I don't know. I like, I like Instagram and, um, TikTok, I guess. Um, just because, you know, like, how, like I, I used to be on Twitter a lot, but I don't go on Twitter anymore just because Twitter is so like, people can get so mean and stuff. Yeah. Twitter. And I feel like Instagram and TikTok, it's more fun stuff. Not, not just, I'm talking about not my stuff, but, you know, seeing the stuff in my feed, you know, like I'd, I like seeing people's pictures. And yeah. Yeah. Stuff yeah. Like I that. feel like Instagram is more positive than yes, Twitter. <laughs> yes. I, I, I love, love positive stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And TikTok, I don't, I, you know, I haven't spent much time on TikTok because I, I feel like once you get on there, it can just be like turn into a total rabbit hole. And oh Yeah. <laughs> You know, but uh, actually, most of the TikTok stuff that I've seen has have been like people reposting it to Instagram or like Facebook. You know, um, but but yeah, it's just it's it does seem like a more like kind of fun medium where people just like post like kind of silly short well, little it was, things. It was, it was strange because at first, you know, like I was just like, you know, when people were like TikTok, I was just like. I was like okay because <laughs> I don't know like like because my daughter like well last year she was like in fifth grade and she's like yeah all these people are on TikTok you yeah. know like it was just like I thought it was just like kids dancing around on TikTok but then I saw that they actually have this whole like book community and that part's pretty cool like when I saw that I was just like oh well that's interesting yeah I I've definitely been meaning to check it out more because uh you know I I used to be like pretty involved in the in the booktube community on YouTube so, I mean, is it like, is it like similar to that? Like, do you ever watch like booktube videos? I, I think it's similar like that. Uh, the only difference is, I guess you can do, you do everything in like shorter spurts. Like, I think they have it, it's like up from anywhere from zero, you know, whatever, a few seconds up to a minute tops. Mm -hmm. Do like a quick review. Right. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think you'd be really good at it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, do I really need like another social media? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so I've been toying around with like the idea. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll make one. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I mean, I, I have a YouTube channel, but I hardly ever post like YouTube video content on there. I mean, I put, po I post some podcast on there. But it's just audio. I don't know. It's just it can get overwhelming. I think like mm -hmm. posting all this content. Like how how do you not get overwhelmed? Because I I feel like you post a lot of social media content. So with TikTok, for example, you can ha have drafts in there. So I could record like like let's just say like ten whatever 15 second videos like mm -hmm. all in you know whatever less than that in an hour let's just say an hour and so I have them you know ready for the week and same with the you know like Instagram I usually just kind of take all my pictures 
ahead of time. So I have right. for the week. Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's pretty much, you know, what I used to do when I was working at the marketing agency and I was like posting social media content for clients, you know, I was, I could always be very consistent about that and not get overwhelmed. So I'm not, not sure why I tend to get over, like I'll, I'll go in spurts. Like I'll, I'll be like really active on social media for like a few weeks and then I'll just like disappear for another few weeks. Like, yeah. It's, I go in phases, but well, you know. I think, I think it definitely helps narrowing it down because I did before, you know, I also had a, like a blog and then I was like, oh, I cut out the blog, you know, that, like I told you, I cut out Twitter. So some of these, like I just cut out because it was getting, you know, overwhelming with just, you know, having to do all right. that stuff. Especially like, you know, how it is like with the writing, it's like, well, you just want to write, but, but then it's like, well, now you gotta be a photographer. You gotta be a videographer. You gotta yeah. Be a yeah. It's like so much stuff yeah yeah that is interesting and it's like you know indie authors really have to do all that stuff Mm -hmm. but but even like traditionally published authors like I feel like you know everybody has to do so much of their own marketing like these days and it's I mean unless you're like Stephen King in which case you don't actually need marketing but they're like Uh, exactly or a million dollars you know (laughs) so okay like me you're a huge music lover I always know I'm gonna see some great you know David Bowie content on your social media which I really appreciate um so music specifically plays a big role in your cursed hearts duology does music help you when you're in the writing process? Like, do you have different playlists for different books? Yeah, so I, I have playlists. I know a lot of authors, they'll, they'll like play while they're writing and stuff, but I, I actually come up with mine usually afterward, except mm-hmm. um, for the Cursed Hearts one. Because like before, you know, before I even um, wrote like lyrics or music, um, you know, I, I got my list beforehand and then I would actually, and then, you know, I have per chapter, I have a song, you know, in the, whatever the subtitle for each um, chapter. So before I even, I wrote the chapter, I would listen to the song like a couple of mm-hmm. times, you know, just go like on YouTube and, and listen to it like two times in a row. And then I, I write my chapter. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I have, you know, I have, I have Spotify and I'm like obsessed with making playlists on Spotify. So I I have like very involved playlist for, you know, every project that I'm working on. And it's like, you know, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I need to write. Oh, but I need to spend three hours making a playlist first. (laughs) You know, it can be a good procrastination tool sometimes, but you know, it can be really helpful too. You know, I just think music can really do a lot to kind of set the mood or mm-hmm. set the tone for, you know, writing or like even like painting. Like I feel like just art in general can really like inspire, you know, other mediums of art, if that makes sense. Yep. That's how it is in my life anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, every author has themes they return to again and again. So, you know, for example, I tend to write a lot about music and art and then also addiction and kind of like vices. Mm-hmm. So so what themes do you tend to revisit in your work? Um, I'm trying to think. So I definitely, have, I don't know if it's the, the same thing, but like I tend to have like a lot of portal 
fantasy mm-hmm. aspects. Like I always have, I feel like I always have like a portal <laughs> to go to <laughs> different, different um, world, I guess, in most of my books. But um, besides that, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not, you know, the character driven or romance and you know, even in my contemporary I, contemporaries, I guess the girls kind of, you know, I don't know, like some of the, I don't want to say the cooler stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. Like in like in Bacon Pie, you know, like the girl, the main girl, she like, you know, like the movie The Crow or, you know, like uh, video games, like, I don't know, stuff that I kind of liked. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, like music wise too. Um, and um, what was the other one? And Hearts Are Light Balloons, like she liked art and she would go to um, like the cemetery and do like gravestone rubbings. So even though they're contemporary, like I have like, I don't know, they're kind of a little gothic-y kind of little... <laughs> aspects I guess yeah yeah that that makes sense a a lot of my books like I feel like I'm just kind of obsessing over things (laughs) like time after time and I I bring this up because I I I know you're obsessed with the 80s too but like I feel like that book time after time came completely out of just like my obsession with 80s music and like the 80s in general and and I, you know, I feel like I, I think lyrics and curses was maybe similar for you or was, was it like a similar process? Yeah. So uh, definitely because the 80s is my favorite because <laughs> at first, you know, like I was like modern day. I, I hate, I hate modern day writing modern day because I hate cell phones. Mm-hmm. So the other, the other option I was going to choose was, you know, cause I graduated it, graduated in 2003. So I was like, well, I could put her, you know, around when I graduated, but I was like, I didn't really like that decade that much either. So I was like, no, I'm going to do eighties because eighties is like, you know, I would, it's, it's fun. It's my favorite and the music was way better. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I gra- I graduated in 2003 too. That's funny because like I was born in 85. So like I wasn't even yeah. alive for half the 80s. <laughs> and the <laughs> other half I don't really remember all that much, but but like every time I hear an 80s song, you know, I feel like I was there. Like I mean, you know, yeah. like I was there as a child. But like, you know what I mean? Like I feel like I was there as like a 20 something, like like in a club you know watching the cure like in england or something i don't know it just it's just like that's what it evokes you know it like it makes i feel like it makes you feel like you're in a different time and place and that's that's kind of where the idea for time after time came from like the idea of music sending you back to a different year or well and I think that's cool to, and I think it's important because yours is YA too right for, for that one is it YA yeah it is okay so um I think it's important too because you know like well even my do- okay my daughter is 12 now and um you know she likes a lot of the 80s music too which is which is weird I mean because I'm not forcing it on her yeah. <laughs> but so I, I thought I, you know I thought whenever I wrote it too like I was like well I think this is great especially for like the YA kids you, could, you see you know again our world like every day like I don't know I think it even if it were like set in like 90s or so, it's just cool for them you know to go you know read a different decade I guess then yeah 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 that that makes sense because I remember when I was in high school and we read uh go ask Alice in one of my classes and that you know that takes place in the 60s and I remember being like just really like fascinated with it and kind of just drawing the parallels between you know 
yeah that time that I was in and in, in the 60s I don't know I, th- I thought it was cool Heck yeah so so okay uh what are you working on right now so right now I am not writing but I, I have two in the process that I should be getting edits back soon which is the last fairies of Oz book and then I have another it's my other solo book uh, it's a dark fantasy romance uh, called Merciless Stars, and it'll come out in February, but it's like probably my last solo book for a while. I don't know. I got I to, gotta, you know, see how it goes because, you know, you know how it is. It, it just, it's a lot of money with like yeah. and stuff. So I'm just going to see how it goes, um, but I'm definitely you know, going to do the other co-author series. So yeah. That's cool. So, so can you work on like two different books at the same time? I mean, obviously, probably you can because you're always coming out with something new. But <laughs> yeah, I, I can usually work on a couple at at, at the same time. Um, I usually try to just I, most of them have been. I feel like luckily I finished like like Merciless. I, I had finished, you know, um, writing it. I think at the end of February, and then we started um, TikTok, the last fairies of Oz book in March. Mm-hmm. So they, they finished pretty, you know, like usually I, I they are kind of spread out, but then the editing is always like kind of overlapping. Right. And then, you know, of course, you know, the read throughs. That's like my least favorite thing is like the read throughs. Yeah. Yeah. All that kind of overlaps, I feel like. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the only way I can really work on two things at once is if like one of them is a play and one of them is a mm-hmm. novel or like, you know, one of them is like a collection of poems and the other one is like nonfiction. Like, you know, it always has to be two different mediums, you know. Yep. So so what books or TV shows, movies, music, etc. are you really into right now? shows I'm bad with shows because I watch a lot of old shows mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know because I, I still watch a lot of friends reruns but besides oh, yeah I still listen to, I listen to a lot of churches still oh uh, yeah I love churches they're just I don't know I don't think I'll they'll probably stay my favorite for a while but besides so movie wise I've actually been you know watching old movies still but like I've been back into like Napoleon Dynamite like I was oh yeah <laughs> I was really into Napoleon when I first came out and then I had my da- my daughter watch it she wasn't a fan <laughs> but I was, like, I was like this is like the best movie ever she's like it's so boring oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you know I think I I feel like you know there's a, there's a lot of people turning to like comfort shows or comfort movies like you know you you mentioned like friends like that that used to be like a definitely a very like comfort show for me like I, I it's probably been replaced by new girl and parks and recreation for me lately but but yeah I I, I think you know given like what everyone has just been through with the pandemic and everything like I feel like people are really just turning to movies and tv shows and books and things that make them feel good you know so okay so I have kind of a big question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast uh why do you think art is important Ooh, another (laughs) tough tough question (laughs) I don't know. I think it's just a way to express yourself differently, to get your emotions out, whether it's um, 
you know, painting, singing, dancing. Sometimes I think like it can be a lot easier to kind of express your emotions in writing or painting or, you know, music, like just any art form than it can be to like actually say the things that you, you know, are really feeling, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like some, I feel like sometimes people can express truth in fiction like a lot easier than actually saying the truth like if that makes sense yeah well even after um you know like I went through uh kind of like oh like a grief period like after my dad passed away and that's actually why I started writing and so I had you know that's why I feel like I have so many books because I just kept on writing Mm -hmm. um and you know it, it it helped yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm really sorry that you that you went through that. But it is, yeah. It's, writing can definitely be a great tool, I think, to process anything that you're, you know, going through, and mm-hmm. not just like writing fiction, but I mean, journaling. I know I I've been like journaling obsessively since I learned how to write, and it's it's definitely helped me to kind of process my emotions and things that I'm going through. And, you know, I definitely, I recommend if you don't keep a journal, everyone should keep a journal because it's a really good tool. Yeah. So, so where can people find you and your work? Okay. So, um, for fairies, it's on Amazon primarily because it's in Kindle Unlimited. Um, Mm -hmm. but my other stuff right now, it's so it's on all the platforms. I'm still kind of debating. I don't know. It may all end up back in KU. Just depends. But right now, all those can be found like Kobo Barnes and mm-hmm. And then for me, um, Instagram, Literary Dust. Um, on TikTok, it's Candace Robinson Author. You know, like we said, pretty much <laughs> my primary places where you can find me. Right. Cool. Yeah, I, I will also link to your stuff on findcreativeexpression.com. So you can go there and check out Candace. She posts a lot of really great stuff on Instagram and TikTok. It's lots of fun. Well, uh, yeah, well, thank, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. That was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time talking to Candace, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Coming up next episode, I'm going to be talking to Peter Hardy. He is a playwright and a screenwriter and the founding artistic director of The Essential Theater. So I'm really excited to talk to him. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Find Creative Expression podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah E. Crawford or YouTube.com slash Sarah Crawford. Also find me on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Sarah Crawford to support the podcast for just a dollar a month. And that's Sarah, S-A-R-A without an H. I hope you've been inspired today and I'll see you in two weeks for the next podcast.